Okay, welcome back to a podcast greater than yourself. My name is John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And this week we are joined once again by our dear friend, Clarence. What's going on? <laughs> that was your cue. <laughs> oh. There you go. Clarence, what's up? <laughs> welcome back. So this week we are going to be discussing the topic, Alcoholics Anonymous Membership is for alcoholics <laughs> a, str- a, a strangely concept. controversial issue <laughs> next week we're going to be talking about how chemo is only for people who need chemo mm, 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 mm-hmm. okay all right i see what you did there so uh yeah it's it's a weirdly uh controversial issue i think it'd be awesome to start with uh, clarence if you want to read the long form of the third tradition just to kind of set a baseline and then we can just pop off from there. Great. Yeah. So we got the third tradition here, which is uh, usually where people go. Um, Usually the short form when they're, uh, you know, I think why this becomes controversial and um, there's less awareness of the long form. So here's what the tradition actually says. Tradition three, our membership ought to include all who suffer from alcoholism. Hence, we may refuse no one who wished to recover, nor ought AA membership ever depend upon money or conformity. Any two or three alcoholics gathered together for sobriety may call themselves an AA group, provided that, as a group, they have no other affiliation. Okay, so we can just end the episode right there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you guys next week. This has been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening. Let's put this one on our Patreon and make people pay for it. (laughs) Special two and a half minute episode. Where we just read a tradition. (laughs) Join us next week for tradition four. (laughs) This is part of part three of our traditions workshop. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that seems pretty clear to me. Um, The, uh, (laughs) it's so, it's just, just constantly, um, having you know i i post a lot of 
memes trolling about this or trolling for debate or commentary about this, which usually turns into people arguing with each other in my, my Instagram comments. But, um, I just find it really funny. Um, the, the like visceral anger that people that comes up in people when they're trying to defend something that the tradition itself doesn't say and that they don't have any justification in why they're defending it because at its core with this argument that's always made is, is, is your point that you want people who are not alcoholic to be members of AA? Not that you want AA to be welcoming and open, but your point seems to be that you're saying people who are not alcoholic should be members of AA. And to me, that that seems weird because the, the, the name of the thing has two words in it, and one of them is alcoholic, right? Kind of seems like that would be an important qualification for membership yeah i mean this is the i mean this is the club for alcoholics that's like the the, (laughs) that's like the point of our fellowship you know it's like the nature of it um you know there's no other club for alcoholics so um yeah i don't really understand the debate either you know i think it's become um I mean, the long form is clear. It says that our membership ought to include all who suffer from alcoholism, right? So it doesn't say just a desire to stop drinking. You know, it says, uh, and then it says, hence we may refuse no one, none who wish to recover, not not none that wish to stop drinking. It says, you know, one that we have alcoholism, and two that we want to recover from it. So, right. um, you know, even if you look in the example in the twelve and twelve. They they use this guy who's um, who's obviously an alcoholic or has a very bad drinking problem, but he can't do the God thing, and mm-hmm. he's just you know uh, vehemently atheist, and people and it's pissing people off, and they're like, does this guy even belong here? You know, our fellowships like all you know our program's all about God. How's the, it's not even going to work for him? But right. the question of whether he was an alcoholic or not wasn't the actual question. You know, it was was this other issue could that bar him from yeah. from membership? Uh, and he came to you know be beaten in a place of reasonableness. There's drinking, right? Alcohol is a great persuader. Uh, he kind of had this conversion experience. Um, uh, where he became open-minded to this idea of a power greater than himself. Okay. And then it was like moral of the story, you know, if, you know, don't, if people appear to be alcoholic, don't no other issue, you know, because that's the nature of our fellowship, right? We're a fellowship right. of alcoholics. There's no other outside issue that can bar you from membership. And like, that was kind of the moral of the tradition. Yeah. And today it's been bastardized into this thing where it's like, okay, even if you don't, even if you've never had a sip of alcohol, you know, (laughs) (laughs) if you don't have a desire to drink, you can be, you know, you belong here. You're supposed to be a member here. You know, does that mean like every Mormon on on earth is an AA member, but because, you know, because they have a desire to not drink. Like, no, of course not. They don't, their reason for not drinking is not, is totally different and unrelated. And, you know, and then we have, people, you know, drug users and stuff who've, who've never really drank. And, um, 
you know, there's like this visceral defense of these people as well when uh, they're not drinkers, they're not concerned about their drinking, they didn't come here for their drinking. Right. It's like there's other fellowships for that. Why mm. are we, why do you want to come to Alcoholics Anonymous if <laughs> you're not a drinker? It's insane. Yeah. The, the desire to stop drinking thing always cracks me up because it's like, I don't have a desire to stop drinking. I'm, I'm a recovered alcoholic. I don't have, right. I'm not drinking. I don't have a desire to stop drinking. Like, right. <laughs> so can I not be a member of AA? <laughs> like anytime somebody brings that up, I'm just like, well, I guess I'm out. Right. I don't have the only requirement. <laughs> I I I read the the tradition to say that uh we're not going to bar people because of other stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. That if you're an alcoholic, okay, A, and you want to recover, B. That's all that you need, right? You don't have to put any money in the basket. Exactly. You don't have to attend seven meetings a week. You don't have to be at a certain place at a certain time. I I think it's so important First, I love that, John. I've never thought of it that way. Like, I've never thought of the tradition like twi- turning it on its head that way. That's I awesome. Think of it all the um, time. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like we talk about this here all the time. It's like, how many meetings have you gone to where half the room has never cracked this book? And these right. are, not, I'm not talking about people in their first 30 days either. I'm talking about yeah, yeah. people who have been around and the only way they know this book is through hearsay mm-hmm. or they've cracked the book, but it was only in a meeting where somebody else read it to them or whatever, how often are they coming back here to page 563 and reading the long form of a tradition? Right. But so I think, uh, there's, I mean, it's obvious why people want to do this, right? It's like at some point we became scared that we were going to scare people away. Mm -hmm. And that's why we stopped talking about God. And that's why we stopped, you know, um, doing all these things, you know, the book, does talk about other people like it, the book references it's not like the only thing the book ever talks about is alcoholics right. right before the third step it says any life run on self-will mm-hmm. so the book does recognize that there are people in the world who do not suffer from alcoholism mm-hmm. right and so when they make the distinction of an alcoholic right like uh i was thinking of the forward to the third edition the last sentence it says recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic mm-hmm. it doesn't say recovery begins when one alcoholic talks to somebody who thinks they might have a problem right recovery doesn't even begin until the other person has said oh i'm fucked mm-hmm. okay yes i have this thing now we start we don't we don't even start it doesn't say recovery begins when somebody shows up at an open meeting of alcoholics <laughs> anonymous <laughs> Right. Um, And that's the other distinction for me, too, is like we have two kinds of meetings. Mm -hmm. We have an open meeting and we have a closed meeting. And I've been to both. And at the closed meeting, people, they say, hey, if you don't have this thing and you don't or you're not going to talk about it, like you need to not talk. Now, I've never actually seen that. (laughs) Enforced. (laughs) Enforced. I have. But I have heard it said, you know. So, I mean, there, there is some understanding at some level, right, that like. There are people, it's like, there are people who are, you are absolutely allowed to show up at an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and be like, I'm, I may have a problem. Right. Right. Uh, I might have this thing and, and we want those people to show up. Right. Yeah. 
But there's a big difference between attendance at a meeting and membership. Totally. And also, like, everything conference approved that talks about, like, the difference between an open and closed meeting, even an open meeting is defined as if you are not an alcoholic, you're welcome to observe the meeting. Even right. open meeting descriptions say that, right? Um, I <laughs> I love that you went to the 12 and 12 immediately, <laughs> Clarence, because uh, I was going to do the same thing. And it's like imagining me and you <laughs> reading out of the 12 and 12 right yeah, off the bat. Is... <laughs> Cracks me up. But I want to I wanna just, I want to go back to the 12 and 12 because... Have I ever said that sentence before? I'm <laughs> right. I don't think I have either. But it's like there's a great example in there. And, and, yeah. You know, uh, and and I I want to go there because probably the same reason that you wanted to go there is like because usually when this kind of conversation happens, the first defensive response is the only you know the only you know and that that thing and it's just like okay I'm. I'm not sure you understand what that tradition's about. Have you ever read the long form? And then they go, the only requirement. And that's like literally what happens. And I'm just like, I don't, okay, I'm not going to argue with somebody, right? I feel like that person is knitting. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and and then the second defense, almost invariably to me, if if it if it comes down to it, where I'm, where, you know, you actually try to engage in a conversation, you're just like, okay, well, so, you know, what do you, What's your understanding of Tradition 3, right? I feel like it goes to, like you said, a misinterpretation of what's in the 12 and 12. And I'm not going to quote the page number here that I'm looking at. It would feel too weird to quote the page number out of the 12 and 12. Anyway, so the last sentence in the 12 and 12 on Tradition 3 says, So the hand of Providence early gave us a sign that any alcoholic is a member of our society when he says so. Mm. And it can't it can't really end any more clearly than that, right? So to me, the thing that really comes up there and that you touched on is it's a twofold thing with drug addicts, right? So like I'm a drug addict, I'm a recovered drug addict, and I recovered an AA. I'm also an alcoholic. And I've always had a problem with alcohol since I was, you know, a teenager, right? Um, I've had all the experiences that come along with being a drug addict that are manifested in quite often quicker and more uh, obvious ways than alcohol problems are, you know? Um, I've had the issues that don't accompany alcohol such as, you know, this drug I'm currently using but I'm not high on is still in my system, and if some, you know, kid runs out in the street and I run him over or whatever, I go to prison for the rest of my life. And, like, I know that as, like, a baseline, whereas, you know, that would only happen with alcohol if I was actively drunk. You know what I'm saying? There are things that relate to drug addiction in a way that don't apply with alcoholism. You know, mm-hmm. there are baseline things. One's legal. One's not legal. You know, there one's on every billboard magazine, TV show, movie. 
nobody is pictured casually railing pills or smoking crack. Like, you yeah. don't see ads in Cosmo for people, like, shooting meth, right? <laughs> Not often, at least. So, when I, when I come up against that in AA, my, th my thing is exactly what you said, where it's like, does this person connect with me as an alcoholic at all? Because if you're like, we've talked about this before, if specifically with me, if somebody is like strictly a cocaine addict, I don't feel like I have any way to help them with step one on that. I can like intellectually break down phenomena of craving and insanity preceding the first, you know, I don't even know the terminology with Coke first key bump. Like, I don't even know what you would say. Right. <laughs> so like, I am so far removed from that as a reality. I don't know where the paraphernalia comes in. I don't know how any of it's used. All I know is I, I did Coke five or six times in my life. Right. And so I don't, all I have for them is frothy emotional appeal because my depth and weight comes with like drugs I've been hooked on and alcohol. And that's where I've experienced step one. I've never experienced right. step one with that drug and with other drugs, you know? And so I think we talked about one time on here, like if somebody, <laughs> if somebody came to the fellowship and strictly only had a problem with alcoholic seltzers or whatever it was <laughs> we were talking about, <laughs> we're just like, I can't help you. Um, <laughs> But, but to, you know, to be serious about it, it's like when someone takes offense at me suggesting that membership in AA is for alcoholics because they are a drug addict, um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that they could, they could be helped and very helpful in a different fellowship, um, that they are always welcome in AA but that if they don't have a problem with alcohol and they're trying to sit down with a sponsor who's an alcoholic, there's not going to be a connection there for step one. And the issue is going to come when they start sponsoring people who are coming to Alcoholics Anonymous because they're alcoholics and they want to relate to them for step one. And all their step one is about shooting crack in their neck and stuff. And maybe this is just some college kid who can't stop drinking, right? Right. And the, the, the thing that's always harped on at meetings now is like, there's no such thing as a pure alcoholic anymore. And that's just uh, untrue. Absolutely untrue. I could name you one I know right now who's dying with blood varices in his early 40s, a, a, a former really good friend of mine who has never touched drugs, who's drinking himself to death on beer, you know, for 20 years. I, I mean... Just in just since Zoom, I've worked with four guys, right? Who were, and not all of them were what you think of, like a oh, fifty-year-old plus white guy, yeah. whatever. You know, like didn't ever drink or didn't ever do drugs. Like I, I have had sponsees in their twenties who never yeah. did drugs. Mm -hmm. I had that that guy. Uh, was, I feel like it was almost two years ago now. Maybe it was yeah, last yeah. year. Remember things running together, but yeah, he's 29 and he died of alcohol cirrhosis or cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah, uh, never didn't even smoke weed, no drugs at all, zero, um, and died from alcoholism. And I was going to bring that up too that there's this push for like 
especially with this opioid epidemic, people are like, oh, there's an opioid epidemic and like, like we got to evolve or something like that. But it was like during the crack epidemic, like what happened? Cocaine anonymous became a thing, right. you know, it wasn't like AA change to be say, Oh, we're not going to be an alcoholic fellowship anymore because so many people are doing crack. It, that just doesn't <laughs> make sense. Um, you know, and this is why the tradition is here because, um, when we look at other fellowships like the Washingtonians and the Oxford group, it's because their their purpose became murky and mm-hmm. um, to the point where it became controversial because they didn't really have a name anymore. Um, you know, it became like political or like there are these different outside issues that kind of created controversy within the fellowship and, and eventually fell apart. And, um, you know, this is kind of the, the point of it is, uh, to keep Alcoholics Anonymous sustaining is, you know, this is the only thing we do. We, the only problem that we deal with is not all things for all people. It's not like a generalized spiritual fellowship, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a very specific thing. It's a spiritual solution to alcoholism. And so long as we keep that purpose, then, you know, it's gonna, uh, we can't really get off track. And I feel that's why tradition three and tradition five, like lock into each other so often because it's like if okay so that same that same meeting you're talking about where that guy unfortunately ended up you know he came in and out over and over and over and over again and just drank himself to death sorry i'm sure you'll remember her there was a young girl who came there who she would speak in the meeting each week for like three or four weeks and she would just talk about her problem with drinking and it was just this young you know run-of-the-mill college age girl who was just talking about absolutely not being able to control how much she drank not being able to stop on her own she wasn't in treatment. She was just coming to this meeting because it was like near her dorm or something. And she was just like, I need help with my alcohol problem. And she was flanked by dudes in, you know, their well-meaning way who wanted to talk about smoking meth in the porta potty on their break at the fucking construction site, you know, flanking her right. every meeting. And eventually she just stopped fucking coming. Right. And I remember watching her and hearing her shares get progressively more like she was trying to up the ante and sound more and more like worse and like desperate. Um, when she would hear, you know, this, this guy's shooting and dope in his eyeball and this guy's, you know, <laughs> tying off his neck vein and hanging himself or, you know, whatever crazy <laughs> shit these guys are saying that, detracts from this singleness of purpose because we're no longer talking about can you control the amount of alcohol you take? Can you stop drinking on your own? What we're talking about is all kinds of other bullshit, you know, that might be real fun for these guys to talk about and might have really helped them as drug addicts to relate with someone, but totally alienated this person until they just, like, stopped coming back, you know? And maybe never came back. I mean, I've seen people do that at meetings many times, right? For different reasons. But that's the one that really comes to mind when you mention that meeting where it's like, this is a person who's only talking about alcohol and they're really talking about it the way that the real alcoholic 
experiences alcohol and then they just can't fucking relate with what they're hearing. And then I want to turn around and have some smarmy son of a bitch tell me that like there's no true alcoholics anymore. And that's why we need to talk about (laughs) drugs and meetings, you know? And it's not to say that I'm not guilty of it. I talk about drugs and most of my shares, at least, you know, briefly. Right. Um, so I do it too. Yeah. I mean, I had a similar story where, uh, when I came to AA, I didn't think I was going to other 12 step fellowships, um, because I heard Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm like, Oh, that's for alcoholics. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. And I was fairly, uh, felt fairly convicted on that because I hadn't drank in you know a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to cocaine anonymous and they, um, I got a sponsor there and, and lucky for me, their, um, their, their basic text is essentially the big book. I don't have their own basic text. So they use mm-hmm. the big book. Um, and he went through it and he qualified me as an alcoholic yeah. and, it turned out I was an alcoholic and I was like, holy shit. And, and then I started going to AA and, um, and then I started relating. And, and so like, uh, yeah, I mean, it talks about drugs in the big book. So we're not saying yeah. like, Oh, if you use drugs, you're not welcome here. Right. The, the idea is, uh, you know, I mean, for me, how this tradition played out is I could have been turned away because I was like, Oh, I'm using heroin or whatever. Mm-hmm before like someone still supposed it's still our job to qualify the newcomer like okay yep. you're using drugs well let's since you're here let's look at the book and then if they're like oh yeah i don't relate with that then it's like yeah let's divert them over to na or something like that mm-hmm. um but just with the drinking you know i couldn't control the amount that i drank i couldn't stop when i honestly wanted to stop drinking uh and that's what led to my drug use because it was you know one of these yet again another countless vain attempt to curb my alcohol problem um, so, you know, I, I believe the tradition is also supposed to, uh, I mean, certainly supposed to protect this type of person as well. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, and I like what you said there because I don't think any of these people are, have ill intent. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, maybe some of them do, but I think most people don't, I think most people are, you know, just trying to do what they think is right or whatever. But just to bring back one of my favorite analogies, and I won't run it all the way through. I just do use a quick point on it is the yoga analogy. And it's the thing mm-hmm. is like, you know, I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous. I should respect the place that I'm in. Right. You know, like, um, like yoga and CrossFit have similarly aligned goals, right? Fitness, health, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I show up at yoga studio, trying to do CrossFit, I'm going to look like a fucking asshole. You know, like that's just the way it is. I should respect the place I'm in. Now it doesn't mean that a person who's into yoga can't also be into CrossFit. You can do AA and CA. In fact, one of the greatest talks I've ever heard on this topic um, was a sponsorship workshop where they broke down how if I go into AA and I start dropping my CA stuff, I'm going to look and sound like a fool or I should, I should look and sound like a fool and I'm going to alienate people, you know? And so I, and there are people dying over in CA who need recovered people carrying like an actual message. I would never on here, um, suggest anyone go to NA, but any place (laughs) that is using the 
big book as its basic text, yeah. I think you should absolutely, if that's your thing. And to me, the ultimate, there's two uh, examples, I think, that really just make this clear for me around this topic, which is, number one, if I showed up at AA and I started talking about how my problem is meatball sandwiches, <laughs> right? like people would be like, you're, what? <laughs> What? Get out of here. Right? But that's a real problem. Yeah. Like for people who have overeaters, like that's a real thing. Um, And then the other example is like if I showed up and I was like, yeah, last night I spent too much money at the casino. Mm -hmm. People would be like, what are you, that's out, what are you, what? Where's the AA? Like it would be so, the delineation would be so clear. I had a sponsee. He called me up. He said, hey, I can't stop gambling. I was like, cool. He's like, what do you think I should do? I was like, well, how bad is it? And he told me about it. And I was like, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you try not gambling for 90 days, 45 days? Now this is going to, you're going to have to be honest I bet with you yourself can't do and it. with me. I bet you 50 bucks you can't do it. I bet you can't. <laughs> Good. I like that. Next time that's something to do. Um, I said, if 45 days from now you find yourself gambling, that's good information. And now let's, we might change our course. Right. You know, now GA might be in your future. But I don't think that you just need to run out and go to a GA meeting today mm-hmm. because I don't want you clogging up their fellowship if you're not a real gambler. What if you can just stop gambling? All right. We don't want you over there right. telling people that your solution to gambling was to just stop. Mm-hmm. That's not, we don't need that. So 90 days, what happened? No, I haven't gambled. All right, give it six more. Let's give it six months. If you can find yourself, you might just be a hard gambler. I'll give you, you know? three to one on six months. <laughs> <laughs> good odds though you know come on let's juice it up you want to juice it up well that's an interesting point you bring up because i feel like i do see that you know i do see mm-hmm. meetings where the topic turns into money gambling so oh, yeah yeah and it's like what the hell are we talking about here this Oklahoma. and like there's this idea that uh you know just over time i mean it's just a, another result of getting the message getting watered down but this idea that um I mean, what, what the book, the book is clear. What, what defines an alcoholic is, you know, can you control the amount you drink? Can you stop when you honestly want to, you know, that's what an alcoholic is. We're talking about drinking alcoholic, you know, if you're a gambler. That doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. You know, if you're, if you're addicted to sex, that doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. Alcoholic has to do with alcohol. Yeah. And, um, lots of people have spiritual malady and, and yeah, we could get a group of people together and we're all going to have problems regardless of whether they're alcoholic or not. And, and so basically you could just go into any room with a hundred people and turn it into, uh, if you make the topic, anything outside of alcohol, they're all going to relate in that room. But once you start talking about alcohol only, it's going to be very few people. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that that's, I think that that's kind of where we get into the territory of the knitters. (laughs) What is the word? (laughs) (laughs) Al-Anons. Yeah, right. um, Yeah, the untreated Al-Anon who is sitting in an AA meeting surrounded by their drug of choice. Um you know, whether they go full bore into like trying to control a group conscience or get on the, you know, committees and (laughs) try to make rules and stuff, or whether they just sit there and kind of, you know, influence the meeting by, let's be honest, most of these people that we're talking about 
tend to kind of fall toward that category. <clears throat> These people who want every human being on earth to be a member of AA these are not alcoholics. Right. I'm so glad you just said, cause that's literally what I was just thinking. Like the, how many times have you heard somebody who comes into AA and even if, I mean, a lot of these people, in my opinion, don't even actually work, work all the steps. They, um, they just get like the fellowship and maybe they do some things and things. And then you hear them. Oh, the world would be such a better place if everyone was uh-huh. doing the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think a lot of this is born out of that idea. Like, well, why would we want to deny anyone this experience? Yeah. Right. You know, but it all comes back to, do I care about Alcoholics Anonymous being useful 50 years from now? Right. Because if I care about the, the effectiveness of the program as a whole, which is what the traditions are there for, right? The traditions are there to kind of maintain the group as a whole, right? If I care about that, then I absolutely 100% need to honor this. Yeah. You know? Circular Changes Rehabilitation Center. Alumni testimonials. I learned a lot of card games. Like, I mean, it's crazy how many card games there are. I never realized there were that many card games. Circular changes where tomorrow starts today. Well, it talks about in the book like that these these spiritual principles are just as useful like applied in the home, right? With, you know, your spouse or uh, that doesn't mean they should be a member of the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> right. You know, like, yes, you can, yeah, like, yes, people living by, yes, more people could use spiritual principles, but that doesn't, that is not in relation with membership to Alcoholics Anonymous, right? But well, it's also Clarence, like Alcoholics the Anonymous. only requirement <laughs> for membership. <laughs> it's like, we didn't even come up with any of this stuff anyway. You know what I mean? Like, the majority totally. of the stuff in the book was written, like... Yeah, hundreds of years, like thousands of years ago, right? I mean, yeah. you actually break down, yeah. you know, these aren't new concepts. They're just being placed um, in a book around alcoholism, yeah. right? Right. Which is so weird because it's like, okay, so all of these concepts and practices that are sort of boiled down into a really succinct design for living, right? And in the pages of this book, they're all they're all presented because people are dying from this illness where they can't stop drinking. Right. And so then I'm going to go to that fellowship and be like, well, I don't have that thing, but I'm fucking lonely. (laughs) And this is, Mm -hmm. these people won't tell me to shut the fuck up. And go right. away. So I'm just gonna hang out and tell new people how to do things. It's just like, what the fuck? It's it's so it's so fucking weird to me. It's just as weird to me as like my wife currently right now having like a, a couple months ago. Um, you know, because she had a baby and. You know, Clarence, I'll forgive you for not opening today's episode with telling us about how beautiful my child is, but you know, I'll forgive you for that. 
I but, mean, <laughs> it is kind of fucked up. <laughs> so I seen amends coming. Yeah, there's time. There's time. Baby. My hey, my phone's always on. So for for literally like maybe two and a half months, two and a half months ago, she bought a four pack of Le Fin du Monde, which is like that was one of my favorite fancy beers back in the day too. Uh, particularly because it's like nine percent alcohol, but it like you know just tastes like you're kind of drinking a carbonated peach, like it's just real nice mm. and smooth. And um, you know she bought you're a little triggering f- me. <laughs> it's like now, a fancy blue moon. Now you have a desire to stop drinking. Uh, so it's like a four <laughs> rack, you know. There's like four bottles. This is like two and a half months ago. This is one of her favorite beverages, right? And she you know, had not consumed any alcohol during pregnancy, obviously, and for a couple months after giving birth, and then, you know, stocked up on a bunch of, you know, like, pumped a bunch of milk and stuff, and then she's like, all right, I'm going to let loose with with your your buddy's wife, and, you know, y'all are going to hang out, and we're going to, you know, hang out and have some beers or whatever. Some I think we all ate dinner together. And so that was, like, two months ago. There's still one of those four beers in our fridge right now. Right. That to me is just as fucking weird as some corny weirdo coming to AA having no problem stopping themselves from drinking and like trying to sit around and influence how AA works. Hmm. It It's so foreign to me because the people who need, need the 12 steps don't want to be in AA. Like, if you need this, right. you don't want it. How many people right. have you seen, like, the dude who, who you who wasn't even 30, had a baby, had a wife, had a really successful career, and died just from drinking alcohol? How many people have you seen like that in AA who need the fuck out of this and just won't do it, you know? Right. And, like, you have no need for this, but you won't go away! <laughs> it's right. fucking crazy it's so weird <laughs> they're just there's so many meetings where those people are the vocal majority and mm-hmm. and they're the people who want to use the short form of tradition three to tell you that um oh well you know in accordance with tradition three and my misunderstanding of tradition four we can make this an atheist meeting and we can change the steps and take God out and we can, you know what I mean? All this stuff. And it's like, okay, well, you know, tradition four talks about your group doing things (laughs) that your group can do. And your group conscience doesn't decide what the steps are or what the traditions are. So you don't get Mm -hmm. to change that stuff. That's, that's above your pay grade (laughs) as a group, you know? So it's so weird that, the the I think it goes hand in hand with this thing that like often now anybody listening in northern Ohio or the southern United States, please hear what I'm saying often. Often the people who I have bring up traditions to me, I like to call them tradition thumpers, often <laughs> they have no fucking idea what the traditions they're bringing up are talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I see that quite a bit. You know, it really boils down to, in my mind, like, because it's, it's deeper than, like, because I can understand how some people can say, well, what's the big deal? You know, what's the big deal if we have, I mean, I mean, we've touched on a lot of those points, but 
Um, there's other things as well. Like the book talks about, you know, as a sponsor, you know, I'm a recovered alcoholic It is now my duty to, when I'm, when I'm working with a prospect to qualify them as yeah. an alcoholic. Um, and it specifically says not to move on until I'm satisfied that they're a real alcoholic. Right. And, and this is a big thing that's just missing in, in AA that, or I see, you know, I don't think people are, doing that you know it's like they go to oh well, they have a desire to stop drinking and so therefore they're welcome here and i got to get them through the steps right. and there's no it's it's lost where um where we're qualifying them if they're even alcoholic or not whether they need to work the steps whether they're powerless right. whether lack of power is their dilemma um you, know, you can't get to step two if the if these things aren't true Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where they would kind of be diverted out of, Hey, you probably don't need to be here. You know, it doesn't sound like you're an alcoholic. Um, but people divert or they reverse to this or whatever the word I'm trying to think of, um, uh, regress, <laughs> right. Uh, only requirement, only requirement desire to right. stop drinking. You know, they're afraid to turn anybody away, but, um, it's hurting us because, uh, which I hear all the time from people who've left AA and they feel like things were shoved down their throat. They feel yeah. like they were pushed into things. They feel like they were told they were going to die if they ever drink again. And now mm-hmm. they drink successfully. And they're like, Oh, all those people in AA were full of shit. They were totally. saying I was going to, you know, die. I have this right. disease. And, and, and the, you know, the tradition is here so that we don't turn away people who have this disease, not, right. not so that if you have a desire to stop drinking, then you automatically have this disease. And now we got to push you into the steps as Bingo. that's just mm-hmm. right. create resentment. And, um, and that resentment permeates to people who may, may not have, uh, experience with AA, but they have a friend who has experience with AA and they, you know, and they have a drinking problem. They, they're concerned that they're drinking and they, and they go to their friend and they say, Oh, should I go to AA? And this person's saying, no, you know, they're culty there. They're going to tell you you're going to die and all this right. shit. Um, you know, which is true. We're supposed to bring up the hopeless feature of the malady, but only if we're satisfied that they're a real alcoholic, you know, we, it, it's, it's, it's literally the same as if you have cancer or you have a lump, you're concerned about a lump and you go to the doctor and you're like, Hey doc, I got this lump. And the doctor's like, Oh yeah. You know, if it's this type of cancer, then you're going to die. You're only going to have three months to live. And and there's like chemotherapy and it's, you know, and the chemotherapy sucks and you're not going to be able to eat and you're going to lose all your hair you're gonna be like, what the hell, you know, and they haven't even done an, they haven't even done a biopsy yet to right. even diagnose you with whether you have this disease or not, you know, you'd be mm-hmm. traumatized. Uh, perhaps you could even sue the doctor, you know, right. it's, it's totally unethical. You know, they would first take all these tests before they tell you what your prognosis looks like. It just makes perfect sense. But in, in AA, people are getting away with this. People mm-hmm. are coming in or say, Hey, I'm not really sure. You know, I'm a little bit concerned about my drinking and people are giving them a prognosis immediately just because they have a desire to, to be there. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, uh, really dangerous and, and hurting AA. Man. I love what you said. Uh, I want, actually was hoping you would, cause I can't remember how you put it, but you said the, the tradition is here for this purpose, not for this purpose. Do you remember how you phrased that? Um, Do you remember what he said, John? He include, said, the tradition is to here. include all the people who suffer from this illness, not to include everyone who... Fuck, I don't remember. 
not who, not to include ever not to push everyone who has a desire to stop drinking into the steps. Uh, correct. Lot, that was great. Yeah. That was great. Uh, so I think um, exactly what you were just talking about just made me think of something. I wanted to do this anyway, if it's okay with you guys. But to me, I have a pretty good understanding of our audience type people who are listening right now. And I have an idea of what maybe some of them even might be thinking. Um, and uh, I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, so like, okay, I'm a recovered alcoholic and now I've listened to this and I'm like, you know what? I might've even been guilty of some of these things or right. whatever. And I know a lot of these people want to be better. They want to be more effective AAs. Yeah. They want to make sure that they're honoring these things. So from both of you, how would you recommend to those people? Like, what would you suggest that they do? I think that what Clarence was just talking about is so important. And that really <clears throat> piques my interest because we have a book of directions. There's a whole chapter about working with others. I believe it's titled working with others. I believe and, that is the correct title. <laughs> and so, uh, what he saw, what he was just talking about is on page 92, right? So how did, how did it used to work when somebody became an AA member? What did we used to do when success rates in many groups were like 90 to a hundred percent of people who came wanted to recover and got sober and stayed sober until they died? What were we doing back then? Well, they describe it all in that chapter, right? So what they describe is. Firstly, go actively seek people out. That's the first thing, right? Mm -hmm. Go get off your ass and go find people. Don't raise your hand at a meeting. Don't sit around and try and do some grand spiritual poobah share. Don't try to sound like some badass. Go up to people <laughs> and talk to them. Try to find out who needs this thing. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything about swearing at everyone, okay? Um, <laughs> so, call doctors, call treatment centers, call clergy, whoever you got to call. Find out in your area who is sick and suffering from alcoholism, right? Or has a drinking problem, whatever you want to say. Then, you once you get introduced to these people, have a conversation with them. Find out as much as you mm -hmm. can about these people, right? Depending on their mood, go one of a few different ways. And eventually, once you are satisfied that they're a real alcoholic, so what he quoted, or kind of quoted was page 92, if you are satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, so we've already discussed the two symptoms of real alcoholism, only two, they're in this book over and over again, once you are satisfied he's a real alcoholic, or if, if you are satisfied he's a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. And I feel like the distinction that you made, Clarence, was so important because the second you walk into most meetings, mm. it's like, you don't want to end up like me. You don't want to drink as long as I did. And you don't, you know, and all this. And it's just like, you're assuming so much. Maybe this is an open meeting and maybe this guy is like a medical student who showed up here to fucking 
observe because he has to have right. course hour <laughs> credits or whatever, you know, and he's got to attend two meetings. He's like, being told he's going to die. Exactly. Don't know anything about him. <laughs> and he's like, you look like a successful young man. You don't want to live in the gutter. Like, I, it's just like, dude, slow down, dude. Okay. So well, if you made it here, you must be one of us. Exactly. You're in the right place. You're in the, You're right, in the right place. place. You don't know anything about me. How do you know that I'm in the right place? You might not be in the right place. Let alone me. You don't know anything about me. So, so we don't even start talking about the solution until well after all of these things that I just listed, right? The way that you became a member was somebody went and fucking found your ass. This is when it was working really, really well, consistently. Somebody found you. They related to you with where with you where you were right they didn't try to relate to you like from some spiritual mountaintop or talk to you about mm -hmm. their 11 step experience uh you know meditating with fucking depop chopra or whatever <laughs> i love that guy <laughs> so what they did was they tried to relate with you with what you were going through they tried to ask mm -hmm. you what's happening in your life they found out information about you Eventually, they dwell on the hopelessness of the malady. If you ask for the solution and how you, if they ask for how you got out of that problem, then you present them clearly with an outline for the solution, right? Here's what we do in the steps, right? And then you start that shit and then you're a member of AA. So, right there is encompassed this person's an alcoholic because. We satisfied the, if you are satisfied, he's a real alcoholic and he wants to recover because now he's asking you how you got there, right? How you got recovered. You commence the work. You're a member of AA. Those are the two things listed in tradition three, to my understanding, you're an alcoholic and you want to recover. Mm -hmm. So like, I think do that. That's what you should right. do. You should go do that with people. And like, that can be. 10 minutes sometimes mm. if somebody is really fucking hungry for this and mm. desperate my personal experience is that it's it's rare to find people like that you know with with most people who i run into they're in at least like a week if not like a 90 fucking day program where their sense of urgency and their desperation is being stripped away yeah and it's, and, and you meet them somewhere in that and they're kind of plodding along and maybe you meet them when they're really desperate and then they get a few steady meals in them and maybe they get a blow job or something. And then, you know, <laughs> desperation kind of goes away, but you know, my job is just to do that stuff, go seek mm -hmm. them out. Right. And if I'm seeking them out and I'm being like how Bill was in his initial unsuccessful attempts i'm not following those directions you know if i'm going and i'm like you need jesus you know like i'm just right. like right off the bat giving them this solution which is like also just my interpretation of the solution it's not what the book says you know even if i were simply to walk up to somebody in a bar stool who's drunk as shit and say do you now believe or are you even willing to believe there is a power <laughs> great you know what i mean like dude what you're leading with the chin right I mean, totally agree with all that. Um, I think other things is, uh, you know, it's okay 
to, you know, I've run into it where it's like, I mean, sometimes it can be uncomfortable when you're working with a guy and they're like, this isn't me. Right. And it's like, that's great. You know, that's, that's equally as okay as someone who says, this is me. I want to work the steps. What do I got to do next? You know, both of them are fine. And, um, and it gives us directions if they're not sure, or if they're like, this is not me, you know, you know, it says perhaps we've made a friend, you know, we can, we can politely and respectfully, you know, explain to them, you know, what this, what alcohol Anonymous is and like what alcoholism is. And, and if they're not relating with that to, you know, point them into other resources or another direction um, to offer our hand in the future, if they need us or anything, they need, we can still be there for them right? Um, without trying to, we don't need to convince them into Alcoholics Anonymous. We don't need to convince them to work the steps we don't have to do any of that shit. Um, and in fact, if they're, if they're unsure if they're alcoholic or not, it says, you know, it's worth, it's worth a bad case of the jitters to get a full understanding of, of this disease. So like, maybe we do have to say, Hey, maybe try controlling your drinking or, Mm -hmm. or maybe try just stopping. You know, have you ever tried just quitting? You know, maybe you don't have to work the steps. Maybe you don't need those lame ass meetings at all. Maybe, maybe you can just put it down and stop. And Mm -hmm. if you can't, then give me a call and, and we'll go over it. Uh, those things are totally fine. We don't have to spend the energy and waste our breath saying, you know, well, if you have this, you're going to die and this, that, and the third, and you got to work the steps and um, it's not helpful to them. It's going to make them less likely to return to AA if they are a real alcoholic, because right. we're trying to shove some shit down their throat that yep. they're not even interested in. Um, right. It says, in, like you said, like in tradition three, that they wish to recover. So yeah. we got to make sure that one, yeah, they're alcoholic. And two, that they actually want to, rec- they want to do this. They, they, they hear what we're saying and they're interested in doing it. Um, and they don't have to spend much energy on, I have, you know, uh, I mean, it's rare. I feel like to find guys that are, like, yes, let's do this thing. You know, more time, more times than not, I run into people that are, you know, not really willing and, and I don't waste my energy trying to like get this person to do something because it's not helpful to them. It doesn't make my program any better or or anything because I don't have any power over their drinking anyway. So it's not really, uh, you know, it doesn't mean anything. a, a, A guy in Florida would tell me, um, you know, it, it says in step 12, we tried to carry the message, you know, um, it doesn't say like we got sponsees through the 12 steps and, you know, now we're working step 12, right? right. Step 12 is trying. It's like you said, it's going out there, seeking people out, trying to carry the message, you know, that's step 12 and, and a guy working the steps and recovering, you know, that's just a cherry on top, but right. that doesn't make your 12th step any more or less legitimate. Um, Fred, I have a question for you. Because um, I've had this experience, and I think Clarence just kind of touched on it there. I know that I think we've all had this experience, but what is your experience with you know addicts or otherwise just non-alcoholics, whatever, um, in, in qualifying them, getting right into step work, finding out that they don't qualify you know, mm-hmm. and presenting them with an option that they don't 
probably don't ever hear in meetings, which is you don't have to remain here, you know, because I've had that experience and it's, I'll tell you what, that that's a powerful experience as a sponsor to mm-hmm. help someone see their truth and feel guided by God to let them know that their truth kind of lets them off the AA hook, you know? Um, or in the sense that Clarence was just talking about that, like, maybe this person is a real alcoholic, but you're not interested in the solution, you know? Um, but yeah, what's your experience with that? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, definitely have had people who I've worked with who we've gotten to a certain point and have said, you know, I, I'm not telling them, I don't think they're an alcoholic or an addict. You know, I'm just saying like, uh, does this align, you know, and they're clearly not aligning with the stuff that we're talking about, you know? And, uh, you know, the, the trick is, is the majority of those people are in some sort of treatment center. So I can't tell them that they can't do something because they're actually being held by a higher, (laughs) higher (laughs) thing, you know, (laughs) like they're being forced to go to five meetings a week, right? Which is a whole nother topic. But, um, but I've absolutely had, I've had it in the last year, uh, a few times. Um, yeah. I had it recently with a guy who I met at a treatment center. Actually, I was with Clarence. We were in a treatment center. I met him. We started going through and, uh, he was like, no, this is not how, this is not how it affects me. Right. And I don't know what that guy, I mean, I know he's not in AA right now, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, he, he didn't, I mean, he didn't seem like super relieved necessarily, but also like he was clearly a hard drinker. And I think wanted to test the waters yeah. with, uh, with seeing if he could, if he could make it work. Um, and then I think of another, another specific example of a guy who I got from a treatment center who it was so much about the consequences yeah, of the things he was doing. And he was just hearing over and over again, well, I've been in prison. Well, I've had these failed relationships. Well, I've had, and it was all around drugs. And then we looked at, you know, Drugs are so different because, you know, my mom is not an alcoholic, but I could probably get her addicted to heroin pretty quick. (laughs) Right. You know, like, so that's a different, such a different experience. And once we looked at that and we looked at how he was reacting, you know, uh, when he was not on drugs, like when he was forced to be not on drugs, whether it was in prison or, or in treat long-term treatment or something like that. Um, he was not having the same reaction that an alcoholic would have. Right. Or, you know, um, and, uh, and so for him, like he finished the program, as far as I know, he's not back in that program or in any other program. So when this comes up in sponsorship, you're telling me that your reaction is not to tell them to just hit more meetings until they hear their story. (laughs) No, in fact, like I won't work. Like I'm not going to work the steps with that person because, uh, not because it's like, I don't think that their life would improve. We talked about that, right? Like I occasionally invite my wife who's not an alcoholic, who has nothing to do with the 12 steps, who's been to two meetings and was horrified and will probably never go back again. She, she, her joke is always like, AA, they just talk about traffic. (laughs) Both meetings we went to people talked (laughs) about traffic. Well, today I don't uh, break out my Uzi and shoot anybody when the traffic uh, sucks. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, I occasionally invite her in 
to uh, participate in like a morning meditation if we have like a big decision coming up or if we have something yeah. family or whatever. So I'm not suggesting these people won't. But no, I absolutely stop working with that person. You know, I, I, we, we make a mutual decision to stop working together. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I go find somebody else to try to work with, you know? Yeah. Uh, and tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up. Uh, 7.30, I'm going to drive over to this dude. I'm going to pick him up from his treatment center. We're going to go to probably Tim Hortons. And we're going to sit down and we are going to do exactly what you guys just talked about. And by the end of that meeting, he will either be launching out on a course of vigorous action or we won't be working together anymore. Word. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, and that's, that's how it's going to go. Like, we're going to go through his condition, basically. Yeah. I find now, like, my... I, now that I've, like, really come to really fully understand this and respect it in a way. Like I feel like my shares are so often like I say things like um, I'm only saying this if this applies to you. Right. You know, so much of it is like a qualification, like going to treatment center. I'm like, I am not here to sell you on Alcoholics Anonymous. If you don't think you're an alcoholic, that's totally fine. Yeah. We don't, I don't want you in AA. As the Beast Boys say, that would be bitching. You know, like I wish we had more of that kind of like yeah. language in meetings. Like, hey, if you're here, great. Like, we love having you here. And like, if you're interested in what we've got going on, great. But like, let's just be clear about like, if this isn't you, then you should fi- go figure it out. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've had the thing. Um, I think it's the only kind of maybe nuance piece of this that we haven't discussed. And qualifying somebody where they're like yeah you know i'm a huge benzo and opioid addict and i don't have a problem with alcohol you know and for me i'm like okay well i'm a fucking pill hog from way back so like (laughs) it's not a problem here like you know i've been addicted to benzos and opioids and i we're, we're good to go there however we're going to talk about alcohol because mm-hmm. uh, I'm an AA member. I met you in an AA meeting. You asked me to sponsor you. We're going to talk about this and I want to see where you qualify. Right. And in getting into that, um, I think I've, I've, I've had it go a few different ways quite often where it will go is, um, it'll go like one or two ways. Either I, I drink like a crazy person when I can't have the drugs that I want, right? So I'm like uncontrollably mm-hmm. drunk all the time right. when I can't get right. the pills I like. Or it'll go the other way where it's like, I have no problem controlling alcohol, but alcohol takes me back to the pills every time. Right. And I cannot drink alcohol without it taking me back to the pills. So my alcohol bone is connected to my drug bone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I would I would I'd love to hear if you guys have any kind of insight on that and how that factors into qualifying someone as a real alcoholic when really what they're saying is I'm a to me what it sounds like is I'm a real drug addict who is powerless over alcohol. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, 
I'm fortunate that in similar to you, John, like that I've had multiple, I've been addicted to multiple things so I can sponsor a lot of people up top, you know? <laughs> yeah. High five. <laughs> Nothing like burning your life to ground several times. Two more. So, <laughs> but you know, uh, we have a friend who has referred a few people to me and that was actually going to be the suggestion I was going to make is like, I know that, that Clarence has been involved a lot in CA, whereas like I've not been involved in CA, but I've actually told people like, Oh, you have, you should go talk to that guy. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever come to that. You know, I don't think anybody's actually gone to that step, but then like uh Senator uh, sitting Senator Ted Cruz, you know, he calls me on occasion and, uh, and because he'll say, uh, cause he knows my experience with heroin yeah. and Suboxone and he'll get a sponsee who's an alcoholic, but also has experience with that, but he has no way to talk to them about that stuff. And yeah. so he'll bring me in and say, Hey, can you talk to them about that? Or we've even said like, Hey, maybe you should sponsor this guy. So right. the other thing that I was going to suggest is like, you get, if, as you get into these things and you hear a person talk about drugs and their story, if you don't have that experience and, but you can tell they're recovered, like they're, and they're doing the deal. Like you should go make a connection with that person and be like, Hey, if I have a sponsee or if I meet somebody who I can't help, can I, you know, can I yeah. give them to you or, or pass them along? Cause I think that's another way that we can make sure that we're honoring, um, you know, kind of the making sure that we're getting the person in front of the person who's going to have the best opportunity to qualify them. And if they qualify to relate to them and have that depth and weight to push them forward in the steps. Yeah. And I feel like that is like a, almost like a singleness of purpose thing where it's That's, like, yeah, exactly. You as a sponsor are not attempting to be all things to all people, just how right. we wouldn't have AA be all things to all people. hundred percent. And Clarence disagrees, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was nodding silently. Did you relapse, dude? Are you you're nodding? Um, Sorry, man. He was vaping, which I think uh, I think that. Yeah, I mean, nicotine is probably the worst right. drug that you could do. So it is. Yeah. As I, I'm ingesting. I even really sober, worst. you know. <laughs> Fred just Caffeine. pulls up a bong. This is a huge CBD flower rip. Um, <laughs> Outside issue, man. Right. So, because I know uh, we're all kind of similar in this way. So, Clarence, uh, what was the best uh, the best food experience you've had, like, in the last 90 days? <laughs> um, probably the Pearl. Hmm. Their short rib was just, it was stupid. It was dumb. Sure. I don't know. I couldn't figure out what was going on there. I was like, I literally had like my, I would like take a bite and like put my hand on the table, like my hand on my forehead, just like, wow, this is, I was speechless. It's a good short rib. Yeah. Awesome. I don't know what any of that is. Good deal. Short rib? I know what short rib is. <laughs> You don't know what a short rib is? I don't know where you're talking about is what I'm saying. Oh, man. Um, yeah, how do we end this, dude? I feel like doing something more than... I know. All right, well, Clarence. <laughs> is AA completely fucked? Um, I think that's like a yes and no. Right. No. Um, the, uh, I mean, yeah, it's pretty fucked, but... Um, you know, I think the silver lining is 
that, you know, I mean, this happens in um, religions as well. Um, you know, the Catholic Church has seen it a lot. I forget who it is. It might be Richard Rohr or somebody else has like the five M's or whatever. Um, this idea that, um, you know, right now we're kind of in a, you know, I think it's a phase and like it seems really fucked, but w what's going to happen is it, when we, when we're losing um, like kind of purpose and our aim you know, in that period, it's going to seem really fucked, but I don't think people aren't going to stick around when there isn't a message of depth and weight. Like the message of depth and weight is what retains membership. It's what drives the AA message forward. You know, there's all this stuff at GSO, right? They're writing a simple language, big book, third grade reading level, big book, and they're starting an AA podcast and all these things are going to be, you know, I think hurt people. <laughs> But, um, you know, GSO can't carry the message for A. Like, A can only be carried with one alcoholic works with another alcoholic. Yeah. So, you know, GSO can't completely fuck AA completely. You know, they're going to, it can damage it, but they can't keep AA going forward. They can't make AA grow. They can't make AA collapse, you know, because it's one alcoholic working with another, carrying the message. That's what's going to propagate AA forward. So I think, um, I imagine membership's probably going to decline for a while. It's been declining for the past decade, um, or like 10 to 20 years. And I think it's going to keep declining. In my opinion, this is all like speculation, but <laughs> I think it's going to keep declining, but, um, because people don't have a reason to stick around, right. They don't have that connection of depth and weight and that's going to get lost and people aren't going to stay. If they don't feel there's depth and weight holding, like binding them together. You know, they talk about in the big book, right. It's passengers on this mm -hmm. sinking ship. Um, if people don't feel that way, they're not going to stick around. And, but the ones that do stick around are going to be the ones that feel that way and care. And they're going to be continuing to carry the message. And so it's going to kind of, I think, weed out the herd a bit um, and kind of work out naturally. That's, that's how I see it at least. It'll be excited when it'll be exciting when they announce um, the podcast hosts are Dak Shepard and Demi Lovato. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, fuck, Mary, kill. Holly Whitaker, Demi Lovato, Russell Brand. Go. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I want him to answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, here, well, we can end this, but we, so at one point we were going to do a bonus episode. My idea probably I was like sleep deprived, but my idea was to have 12 questions as a bonus episode, but it was like 12 totally stupid questions. It was like, I think it was even going to be called 12 stupid questions or something like that. Um, but just so you can see what kind of top notch <laughs> material that would have been. Here's, here's a, uh, one of them. It says, do you ever do the thing where you see a picture of someone and they're making a very specific facial expression, so you try to make the same expression and then look in the mirror or take a selfie to see how close you got?
Hell no. I don't think so. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> okay, I didn't fine. Say hell no. I said I think I don't think so. Oh, I thought you said hell no. <laughs> oh. like, okay, fine. Just me. <laughs> I, I totally do that. <laughs> I'm Dude, to that's like half of what my that. rear view is used for in my car. I'll be like, eh, yeah. huh? Huh? <laughs> no, I, I do the like, I'm not taking the picture, but I'm definitely holding the camera up, you know, on my phone. Like, am I getting this? Is this right? how that stupid fuck looked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, do I look like Drew Barrymore in Never Been Kissed when I do this face? <laughs> anyway, um, I love you guys both so much. <clears throat> Just rejection. <laughs> that went differently than than I had been uh, projecting it would go in my journal for weeks. <laughs> I love you, John and Clarence. I I was actually it's funny you say that because I was literally we were like 15 minutes ago. I was like I was like man before we end I really want to make sure these guys know how much I fucking love these guys. I wrote it you down know? so I wouldn't forget to say it. <laughs> we love you too, Fred. Love you guys. Yeah, this was great. I'm. I'm... (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the icy stone cold school shooter stare from. (laughs) I'm I'm texting his sponsor right now. (laughs) Ridiculous. uh, I I, I love you too, guys. All right, man. This was great. Um, you guys enjoy Thanks, your, your weekend. And um, Thanks for having me. Thank you for doing Have this, Have a great man. Saturday. Appreciate yeah. you. See ya. See you, man. Later. This has been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by Recovered Alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.